Is SEO still a thing in 2022? With so many changes and updates, many find it difficult to know what to expect in SEO and whether or not it's still a thing. New tactics come and go, but there's one evergreen strategy that will always survive the algorithm updates. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more in this episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz Podcast, episode 1114. My name is Tony Cow, and I'm joined by Moby Sadiq. How are you today, Moby? I'm good, Tony. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. You know, we've had a busy week, but you know, a podcast is always great. So today's uh, news news buzz, we're going to be talking about Google launching May broad core updates. Yeah. Are we getting penalized, Moby? Yeah, so Google does this thing, right? Every so often they have these updates that they that they release. Um, and this update is called the the May 2022 core update. And uh, literally, they're talking about the fact that, um, just quoting them, pages that drop in rankings aren't being penalized. They're being reassessed against other web content that has been published since the last update, right? So, this is an update that Google has themselves come out and said it's a broad core update. Um, And it's just to really prepare people because they're like, look, you know, there's going to be a big notice in uh, there'll be a big difference in changes. Some sites are going to go up, some some sites are going to go down and they continue and they talk about broad core updates happen every few months. Sites might not recover from one update until the next one rolls out. Now, this is the thing, right? I find this hilarious because people are going to freak out like, oh no, what are we going to do? Our rankings got smashed or they didn't get smashed or is it the update and it's not the update? And it's like the same thing. Like it's the same joke all, all over and over again. Now, here's the thing, Tony. Nothing really changes, like really nothing really changes. Google themselves, and I quote, they say that focusing on providing the best possible content is the top recommended way to deal with the impact of a core algorithm update. We confirm broad core updates because they typically produce widely notable effects. Some sites may have, and it goes on to say they might have big drops or whatever, right? Now, my thing is like, Focus on the fundamentals. The fundamentals never change, you know, and we're going to talk about that a little bit further, but, you know, stick to good user experience, a fast website, create really solid content because Google even sort of says, like, we want to ensure they don't try to fix the wrong things. You know, moreover, there might not be anything to fix at all. So really, this is one of the things, focus on a really, really good user experience, great content, fast websites, and we're going to talk a little bit more in our featured buzz today around SEO, whether it's dead or not. So stay tuned, you know, keep hanging because we're going to get back to that. But what's the next one? Amazing. Uh, next one, LinkedIn provides insight into how it feeds algorithm works in new video series. And this is interesting because it shows that LinkedIn's getting a lot of engagement on their feeds. So Moby, what's this about? Yeah, so we touched on this briefly last week. So since then, uh, more news has sort of come out and LinkedIn's reporting that they're seeing record levels of user engagement. So I feel like it's something I've been pounding the table on for a really long time and now people are starting to notice, look like, oh, damn, we can get a lot more reach on LinkedIn than Facebook. That's for goddamn sure. And even Instagram in a lot of cases. So right now, what they LinkedIn is sort of finding though, they're getting dominated by a lot of reposts from other platforms like 
TikToks, you know, Facebook posts, whatever. And they're not really big fans of that. So the article actually goes on. And by the way, we'll link everything in the show notes. What episode are we now? Are we 113? 114. 114. Maybe. Okay. So redpandas.com.au forward slash EP114, where all the references we talk about, we're going to share. You can watch, uh, you know, my face and Tony's beautiful head. <laughs> so you can see that there. But anyway, w- w- this will be in the show notes. But they have a, um, a new sort of initiative, right? And they're trying to provide a little bit of transparency into how the algorithm works and what they're doing to combat that. So there's a couple of things, right? So one of the things that they talk about is... You know, should you be, re- they are the answer the question, should you be reposting stuff that you share on Facebook, on LinkedIn? And you can tell how they answer this, that they don't really like it. They're like, you know, um, in most cases, probably not. You know, and I quote, most pay- cases, probably not. And they go on to say, look, sometimes it's acceptable or whatnot. But this kind of goes to show, like, do not export. And I've been saying this for a long time. Export, for example, your TikToks with a TikTok watermark and then put it onto, you know, LinkedIn. You know, like a few episodes ago, we mentioned Instagram is already cracking down on that. And lastly, Snapchat even banned it for a while. So they don't like reposts, right? Now, they can't really tell, you know, like if you're going to be reposting on different platforms, they can't really tell, but they're going to get smarter and smarter and smarter. So we try to do little small things like this show that we're recording. We cut it up into snippets. We put on all these different media. But if we're using YouTube shorts, we might use the YouTube shorts audio. If we're using TikTok, we'll use a different audio or a trend so like little tweaks will fool the algorithm enough i believe um, but they don't like that so then they go on they talk about you know three four factors which i'll quickly touch on that it does like right the linkedin algorithm the first is dwell time so which means uh, linkedin calculates how long a user spends looking at an update or a link as a measure measure of interest um, one thing that they're cracking down on is, you know how people do, I know you don't really use LinkedIn a lot, but they do this double spaced thing. Oh yeah. They have a line, then double space, then a line, then a line that's designed to lure more clicks because the user has to tap on the post to see, you know, that Click they don't like that anymore. And they're already being penalized with less reach. So don't do that. Uh, posts which actually ask, expressly ask or encourage users to engage via likes and reactions will also see less reach. And also, we mentioned this last week already, they're going to limit the amount of polls people see because that was a bit of a, it was a bit of a kind of hack to get a lot of engagement. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it on that for that. But yeah, it just goes to show that the algorithm is constantly updating and no one likes reposting from other social networks. Interesting. And lucky last about LinkedIn as well, how to make LinkedIn emails work. Yeah, our last news thing is another LinkedIn thing. And this one I'm pretty excited about because I get asked this all the time. Like at Red Pandas, you know, clients are asking us, I want to do an in-mail campaign or, you know, I want to send in-mails, right? And if you don't know what they are on LinkedIn, there's a feature that they have where you can send direct messages uh, to other people, you know, based on a criteria. You want to target marketing managers and you want to invite them to a webinar, you know, you can do that en masse. Uh, also, you can even do that like individually as well. You can just have, you know, sales navigator or the right, you know, level of access and do that individually. So this is really cool. I really, really like this. I'm going to share this around with some of our clients, but it talks about what factors make good emails, what get more, you know, efficacy and more reach and that type of thing. So the first thing was shorter emails perform better than larger ones and personalized emails perform around 15% better than the ones sent in bulk. Now on the first one, the response rate for the shortest in-mails is 22% higher than the average response for all in-mails. 
So if you're going to keep it short, you have 22% more chance of it actually doing better than a longer one. And I really, really like this. And again, this will be in the show notes, but they share an example because usually they don't do this stuff. They're like, oh, great, great content. So, but they actually share an example of a really great email, which I want to read if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes. Hi, Jocelyn. As soon as I saw the Daily Ogilvy quote on your profile, so the David Ogilvy quote on your profile, I knew I had to get in touch. We actually have the same quote framed in our office. I'm currently building out a paid media team and think you'd be a great fit. Do you have some time to talk about the role? Blah, blah, blah. So there's two things here, right? One, really, really short. That's two, it's one line, uh, one hello, and then two paragraphs, three lines each. Really, really short. But also it talks to the second point I mentioned. It's personalized. Hi, I saw you like the David Ogilvy quote on your profile. So the, one of the things that I've spoken about in the past that like when we're looking to hire people, if someone applies for a role, I will go on their LinkedIn and I'll click on the activity tab and then I'll look at what they liked and I'll look at what they're posting. And I get a pretty good sense. Like, you know, you find out whether someone's like a anti-vaxxer or a, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, or into like, you know, you know, funny stuff, right? But it's really, really important. So that stuff really works. So obviously, obviously personalization works. Um, but, you know, there's a bit of a tip there for me on, on how that sort of works. The next one is LinkedIn also notes that sending emails on a Friday uh, or a Saturday generally result in poorer responses. So don't send them on Fridays. Don't don't send them on Saturdays. Um, and it goes on, talks about some other factors. But, uh, of course, we'll share that in the show notes. Okay, thanks for that, Moby, for our news buzz. Our next section, Featured Insight. This is a controversy uh, topic that's been going on you know, since the you know, digital marketing started and it's probably one of the reasons why I moved into paid ads. Is SEO dead? Moby, what's this about? Everyone keeps asking, this big discussion in the industry. Is SEO dead? So, okay, uh, the title is obviously a little bit clickbaity, right? SEO is dead. But I honestly do think there is merit for that. It, it's, it's more around the definition of SEO. So, SEO in 2022 is more of an art form and less of a science, right? But even more importantly than that, I think what we need to think is we need to change our view on what SEO is. It's a byproduct. It's a result. It's not a tactic that you should pay for. So what I mean by that, for example, you don't buy customers. Like, you know, when we sell our digital marketing services, we don't say buy customers. You don't say that, right? You say you buy lead generation services or you buy sales training, right? You're not buying customers. So SEO is a byproduct of doing a bunch of things really, really well, which I want to talk about in this. One thing I will say though, is 90% of SEO agencies are scammers. 90% of them, in really? my opinion. Really? They're just ripping people off. They're looking at the old version of what SEO is. So if you're paying an SEO agency anywhere from $500 to $1,000 and all they do is a bunch of mumbo jumbo meta titles, <laughs> tags, and they build backlinks, you're getting ripped off straight out. If SEO is something that someone can't explain to you, one thing I can promise you, this is the test. If SEO is something that you is too technical for you to explain to somebody else, then you're getting ripped off because that's not what SEO is anymore. That's not what Google's value proposition is. So again, you need to be answering, sorry, rather, it's more about answering people's questions. It's about creating content that answers people's questions and no amount of keyword stuffing or backlinking is going to help. Like it's a real lazy way. So of course, like for as long as the internet's going to be around, SEO is going to be a thing. But it's not increasing. It's increasingly a service that you shouldn't be paying for because it's getting 
so hard to do SEO the lazy, you know, technical way. So, yeah. Okay, so it's, it's great what you said and it makes sense. But like, what are the factual reasons that makes you say this movie? Awesome. I'm glad you asked because there's, there's a couple of points of evidence. Like, I'm sure no one, you know, not everyone's convinced right now. But for the, to answer that question, like why I actually say that, let's think about what SEO first is, right? The definition of what traditional SEO is. So SEO can be defined in three buckets. Content, so the content marketing you create. Backlinks, links that link to you. And on-site, on-page SEO. Now, let's look at page titles, for example, right? So let's look at on-site SEO. This is something where a lot of cheap and lazy agencies, you pay them, like, yeah, build some backlinks and we're going to do some on-site stuff and that's SEO. That, that straight off is a ripoff. Like, if I will, like, change my first name if you can prove to me that's not. And I, I challenge anyone to reach out to me and tell me that because straight away, that's a ripoff. I'll tell you that much. We like your name, Moby. <laughs> I don't want to change it either. That's why I'm really <laughs> confident. So um, it, let's consider page titles, right? It's something that every good and bad SEO agency does. You know, we'll create some page titles with the keywords and, you know, we'll, we'll deploy them. All right. Now, Google rewrites 61% of page titles. What? Say that again. 61% of page titles, Google actually rewrites so you spend all this time, all this effort creating these amazing page titles, 61% of them Google's going to rewrite. It's kind of like if it's like if you did a job, Tony, and six times out of 10, I'm like, nah, I'm just going to redo it for you. Yeah. It's like, dude, what am I even doing here? Like you would stop doing the work. <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> right? point. So, so much resources go into that. Then you've got backlinks. Let's talk about backlinks for a second. That falls into the other bucket. John Mueller, he's a SEO veteran, he works at Google. He said that in March this year, Google doesn't care about how many backlinks you have. If you have one really, really good link from an authoritative source, that can be better than a million links from regular websites. So he's not saying that backlinks are dead or backlinks are stupid or don't work. He's like, they, people pay, place too much emphasis on them. So I guess it's kind of like one of those things like, it's like paying for a spoon to dig a grave. You know what I mean? And that's a good metaphor too. You're yeah. digging your own grave. Yeah. It's like paying a spoon. You, it's probably a better way to dig a grave. <laughs> <laughs> like a shovel or an excavator. Yeah. It's not the right tool for the job. Like you might get something, but you're not going to get a lot. So speaking of John Mueller, he also talks about the fact that, you know, search engines don't really care for low tactic efforts. That's another test. If something's a low tactic effort, and you're just paying someone to do a bunch of stuff, um, even if you build links from high domain authority sites. And he actually responded to a guy, again, we'll link this in the show notes. He, he responds to a guy who, who built 26,000 pages with unique content, technically high scores, fast, you know, core web, web vitals, good user experience. Everything sort of hits the, the kind of, you know, that. Like technically it's textbook fine, right? And, you know, the guy was complaining, like, how is this not? It's three months and nothing's ranking. And John Miller's like, what value did you add to the user? What value did you really add to the user? You didn't really add much value. So check it out. It's actually kind of entertaining thing to watch, but it just goes to show like that stuff, you know, doesn't really work. Okay. So like, like you said, optimization, backlinks, lots of content. So that doesn't work. Like, well, you know, I mean, it helps, but like, what should you do? All right, so if you want to get rid of the plastic spoon and replace it with something else, think first about Google's value proposition, right? Google's value proposition is about delivering answers to questions, right? In a straightforward way. That's it, answers to questions. So 
if you consider an example, um, I'll give you an example. There's a company called Bill Reagan Roofing in Nashville, right? And in two years, they had a 2,000, 2,500 increase in organic traffic, close to 10,000 organic visitors per month, and they've grown sales and customers. And this, they started from having two, three people working for them. So guess what their uh, current core Web Vitals mobile score is? Um, I don't know, 30, 50, 100? It's technically a score of a failed. You know, I'm not being rude here. It literally yeah. called Web Vitals. If you Google called Web Vitals, you can put any website in and it'll tell you what your score is. And their mobile score is 34. And I know our friends at Impact, they're a client of theirs and they're working, you know, with them and, you know, they're doing a whole bunch of website changes. But going back to Google's value proposition, it's about answering customers' questions, answering the things your competitors don't want to talk about, they're too scared to talk about, things like the big five. And last week, we literally did a whole episode of big five, the, the five big types of content. Episode 113. 113. Thank you very much. Um, and we go into detail, right? The types of content that move the needle. Now, going back to Bill, what Bill Reagan specifically, what they did was they hired a content manager whose job was to write three articles per week, right? Now, here's the difference when you hire an internal writer, like you, some, you take this in-house versus someone externally. Externally, this is what they're going to do. They're going to Google the top three to five results, right? And they're going to copy the keywords that they've done and just try to mush everything together and make it a little bit better. Now, this is the thing. Um, they're also incentivized by writing an article in the fastest time possible. Whether you're using an agency or whether you're using a contractor, they, their job is to write as quick as they can and move on to the next client. They're not incentivized by really honing into what the consumer gives a damn about, right? Whereas when you do it in-house, in-house they take more of an effort or more of a charge to actually answer the customer's questions. So that's the compass as well. If you haven't connected the two together, it's writing that content, but it's about answering customers' questions, stuff they actually give a damn about. Because if you, if you just do that, then Google doesn't care. Because like John Mueller says, you're not offering anything of unique value. So Google won't care and you probably will make only incremental uh, benefit or difference. Interesting, uh, Moby. So like, I mean, I'm in paid in the paid department, but like, does Red Pandas help with this, with the SEO? Yeah, we do. So at Red Pandas, oh, sales plug, speaking of. No, no, <laughs> but in all honesty, I think this is stuff that people can do by themselves. So at Red Pandas, we have like a done by you service, like a traditional digital marketing agency. And that's still good for a lot of companies who, you know, maybe can't, you know, they don't have a marketing team at all and they need a lot more resources. But then we also have a done by you, right? So Marcus Sheridan, who, who does the big five, who invented the big five. And again, we spoke about it last week as well. We'll go into a lot more detail. They've got a framework and a philosophy called uh, They Ask, You Answer. So it's a philosophy because it's a different way of thinking. It's about sales alignment. It's about getting sales and marketing together, understanding content as a revenue stream, but also a framework of writing content that's honest, trustworthy, the stuff that people don't want to talk about to win their trust and win business, right? So that's, that's what they do. And that's something Red Pandas do as well. We have uh, coaching clients where we help them in-house build their teams because agencies are great, but sometimes you don't get the speed of results. And also you're competing with their other clients. doesn't matter how good they are. doesn't matter if you're working with Red Pandas or Pink Pandas. It doesn't matter. You're you are still competing with us. Like now Red Pandas, we try to only have one account manager for five clients, but still it's not the same thing. And our clients know that. So I even say, even if we are have retainer clients and if you guys are listening, we love you to death. The aim is to eventually to get them to invest in-house and build those skills in-house and have that culture of content and learning. So that's the other thing that we sort of do. 
Yeah. Interesting. So let's uh, wrap out feature buzz. Um, final thoughts, Moby, on uh, SEO being dead. Yeah, look, SEO, it's not about building a bunch of backlinks. It's not about, you know, uh, paying an agency $3,000 a month. Again, the test is, this is the way to look at it. If you don't understand what you're paying for, it's not something that is in the technical basket. It's not something that you're not supposed to understand. That's the thing I really want to reiterate. SEO is something that you're supposed to understand. So literally, you know, uh, Jay, our video guy was talking to, he's like, I'm really interested in, in and he's sitting right next to us, like really interested in this show because about SEO. I, I guess I'd say to someone like Jay or someone else, if you don't understand it or if you're being sold something you don't understand, you're getting ripped off. It is Google's value proposition is about delivering the answers to questions. And that's why little mom and pop companies, that's why Bill Reagan's roofing can write stuff and outrank everyone with million dollar budgets because they're just answering customers' questions and doing it in a trustworthy way. So it's not something that's technical. It's something you're supposed to understand. And if you don't understand it, then, then don't pay for it. Jay, I hope you're listening so you don't get ripped off. <laughs> okay, thanks for that. So that was our, our featured um, feature insight. Our next section that's new this uh, episode, this week, is featured question. And it's interesting because... I've been going for it this week, Moby, and you've been helping me and sharing me. And the team at Red Pandas, you know, the, you know, the team and the coaches are going for it. And it's about communication. And most of us think that we're great communicators or, you know, when we speak to someone, you know, we, we're saying it clearly and it's effective. But in fact, it's not really the case. So what I want to know, and, you know, like, I know you're really good at this, Moby, because you share a lot of uh, knowledge and details and you know, wisdom about this. What is the definition of good communication? So I think it's definitely, firstly, I will say it's definitely a journey because, you know, I've always classified myself as a really good communicator and high levels of EQ. And, you know, I always say I'm average intelligence, but I have a high EQ. You know, that's what's got me through business. But, you know, recently, like you said, we went through coaching uh, with our friends at Impact and I'm like, wow, I'm operating at a primary school level and they're operating at a high school level, you know, or university level. But the first thing I will say about that, you know, Good communication is really about listening and not waiting to speak. You know, too often we're like, we're, listen, we're not really listening. We're just like waiting for our turn to speak. And that's not what uh, uh, good communication is. Good communication is about listening and then modulating your response based on what the person said. So, for example, you know, I, sales is a very easy example. But, for example, you're listening to a client. You're really hearing for their pain point. You're trying to understand that. And then, because there's like 10 ways you could go to that sales call. But based on what they've said, you're like, okay, I hear what you said about, you know, the lack of conversion rates in your organization. Can you talk to me about that? And what's the impact of that happening or not happening? You know, so like, not just like waiting, you know, like you're actually, you know, actually listening to them. And look, there's a lot of techniques. There's a lot of techniques that, you know, we do. Like one of the techniques is, you know, using someone's name. So for example, Tony, if I'm talking to you, I might sort of say, you know, so, you know, what do you think, Tony? Do you agree that this is something that we should be doing? It's something that you mentioned to me, Tony. Obviously, you don't overdo it, Tony, 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 Tony. Yeah. But using that, especially when you're in virtual calls and virtual settings, it's a really great way to get capture someone's attention, to make them pay attention. And then other people are on their feet too. They're like, oh, I'm going to be called on as well. Yeah, right. right? So there's little techniques you can do, um, you know, telling the person you're talking to, especially when they're irate that, you're, you hear them and you understand them and those types of things. And the final thing I'll sort of talk about 
is radical candor. So when you talk about good communication, radical candor. And that what it is, is being direct, but coming from a place of care. It's not about being an arsehole and being brutally honest. It's about being direct and coming from a place of care. So, for example, you know, the opposite is ruinous empathy. And I think in agency land, I've definitely been um, uh, someone who's done this, you know, um, a criminal of this and i think other people you know do this in service-based industries the opposite is ruinous empathy so ruinous empathy is when like you're you're you think you're being really caring let's say for example with a client you're like hey look and i really need you to do this and like oh i'm really sick oh okay oh good good i won't bother you i'll leave you alone. even with your bosses right you're like oh they're too busy i'll leave them alone i'll leave them alone then what happens is three four months down the track no results happen and then the client fires you or your boss gets upset at you because you're being ruinously empathetic to yourself and to them and to the outcome. This happens when you have clients, with your parents, relationships, everything. So that's the opposite. That's what you're not supposed to do. So radical candor, you're being direct, but you're coming from a place of care, right? So we think by, you know, because we're being caring, uh, we're being caring and we're not being direct because we're scared what they're going to think. We're scared we're going to hurt their feelings. But really, when you think about it, who are we protecting? We're protecting ourselves. We're not protecting them. We're protecting ourselves, what they might think about us or how they might judge us from what we've said. So when you kind of make that shift that it's about them and it's about helping them. And I often even say, I'm like, I'm saying this because I care, but you need to pull up. You need to really fix this. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of end it with that. That's interesting. That's a very good um, technique that you shared. Yeah. And um, yeah, Everyone listening, <laughs> please use it. <laughs> so that wraps up today's uh, featured question and um, episode 114. Please check us out on redpandas.com.au, episode 1114. Um, Moby and me, anything else to say, no, Moby? We'll see you guys again. Join you for another episode of Inbound Buzz. And see you next week. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.